This is our scripture for the sermon today. So be in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with a word, that he might present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife, wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it. Just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with a reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Thank you, North Roanoke Baptist Church. It's Valentine's Day. It's a day when uh, Americans will spend $19.7 billion for one day of love, when what they're really longing for is a love that never quits, a love that never fails. Why don't we pray together as we consider this text and the love it is that God has shown us and how it is represented in marriage. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, help us to understand what you said to us in Ephesians chapter 5. Help us to grasp the profound grace that you have given us in sending marriage. And God, we pray by your Spirit's presence, by his protection, by his power, God, that you would help us to take these truths and to apply them in our lives and in our marriages and in our church in such a way that Christ gets all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's Valentine's Day, and everyone's fixated on some version of love. And I want to suggest to you this morning that all this hubbub about romantic love isn't necessarily all bad, because it reminds us that people are searching for something. They're searching for a soul-satisfying relationship. Whether you're single or married or divorced or divorced and remarried or widowed this morning, there's only one relationship that can truly satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. You see, the first marriage proposal that everyone needs to accept North Roanoke Baptist Church is not the one in which a man gets down on his knee and offers a ring, but the one in which the God-man hangs on a cross and offers you his life. Of course, our relationship with Christ does not nullify the importance of other relationships. It doesn't mean when you belong to Christ that everything else doesn't matter. 
Quite the contrary, our relationship with Christ actually amplifies the meaning of our relationships. It gives our marriages and our families a meaning that they otherwise lack. It infuses every human relationship with significance and divine purpose that God intended them to have from the very beginning. And if there was ever a time in our culture, in the United States of America, in Roanoke, Virginia, when people needed to understand the purpose of marriage, it is now. 41% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages fail. 73% of third marriages do not last. Our country is in cultural crisis mode when it comes to marriage. And yes, it's being induced by forces that are outside of our control, but it's also being induced by forces within the church. We've turned a blind eye. We've neglected the importance of marriage. We've decided that it's uncomfortable to talk about, and therefore we'll just not talk about it. But we must talk about it, because if we won't uphold what God has said he intends for marriage, then pray tell me who will. We have a tremendous opportunity as the culture is disintegrating around us to uphold God's standard and to show to the watching world what is truly possible within the context of marriage. God has designed marriage for a purpose, and that purpose is this, to reflect the gospel. In the institution of marriage, God has purposed to put the mystery of the gospel, as he calls it in verse 32, This great mystery of the gospel on display, on display here in North Roanoke and throughout the watching world. In Ephesians, Paul is urging the church to live for the glory of God. He starts with the wonder of our salvation, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he's delivered us over to life, and he's allowed us to live for his glory, he tells us at the end of chapter 3. And then in the beginning of chapter 4, he tells us to walk worthy of this calling. And then the rest of the book really is an excursus on how it is that we can walk worthy of the gospel. And in chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, he turns to the question of human relationships and the very first relationship he starts with is the relationship of marriage. It's the very first relationship that the world starts with, is it not? There's Adam walking around in the garden and in a sense he's married to God but God sees fit to give him a helper, a helpmeet and the the first human relationship that we find in scripture is that of marriage and the first human relationship that Paul purposes to deal with as we live out the implications of the gospel and put the gospel on display, is marriage. How appropriate that on Valentine's Day, we would consider the institution, we would consider the relationship of marriage. And if we're going to put the gospel on display as God intends, and we're going to glorify God as he intends through the institution of marriage, we must do two things. Wives must submit to their husbands. And husbands must love their wives. This is the word of God. Before we consider the role of wives and the role of husbands in marriage, I want to suggest to you for a second that the divine purpose for marriage is indeed explaining the gospel, putting the unfathomable work of salvation on display. Our union with Christ is to be modeled by the union of husband and wife. The word mystery in verse 32 does not mean something difficult to work out. It means something impossible to work out for ourselves. 
Did you know that, that one of the reasons marriage can be difficult is because you, through your marriages, are purposing to put on display the impossibility of your salvation? <laughs> that God had to do it. And the reality is, after you say I do and you get through the honeymoon phase, at some point in your journey called marriage, you're going to have the opportunity to put the impossible on display in your marriage, to show that God can do something in your lives as husbands and wives that you could not do in your own power. It is through marriage that God shows the mystery of the gospel and our union with Christ in living color, in real here and now flesh and blood. Husbands and wives are given to one another to put the glory of the gospel on display. How is it that we do this? Verse 22, wives, be subject to your own husbands or submit to your own husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And while it may seem redundant to point out that Paul also says to love your own wife in verse 28 and your own husband in verse 22, we unfortunately need to hear that clarification in our day and in our church and in our culture. Paul doesn't say love just anybody's wife. He doesn't say just love anyone's husband. He says to love your own wife and your own husband. Wives, whether it's that television program that you watch or that book that you read or that high school sweetheart that you like to follow on Facebook or Twitter, whatever activities that you allow to linger in the background which subliminally subvert your attention and your affection and your love for your own husband, those activities are preventing you from enjoying the glory that God wants to put on display in your marriage. Husbands, let's be real for a moment. Just logging onto the internet or even walking through the malls these days is not for wimps. It's for real men who love their own wives. Wives, there is a submission which Christ intends for you to give exclusively to your husband and your husband alone. Husbands, there's a love which Christ intends for you to give exclusively to your wives. Now, I recognize North Roanoke. When I say wives submit and husbands love like Christ loved the church, I can hear the objections welling up within your mind and heart this morning. But Daniel, you don't know my wife. But Daniel, you don't know my husband. And you know what? I don't. I don't. But let me tell you what I do know. Marriages don't become healthy by dwelling on the problems presented by your spouse. Marriages become healthy by focusing on and fulfilling God's purpose in giving you a spouse. He gave you a spouse to put the mystery and the wonder and the grandeur of the gospel on display. And aren't you glad we serve a king who didn't wait till we got it all together to come and rescue us. But he came and rescued us when we were down in the mire and the muck and in the pit. And he said, I'm going to go and rescue a bride for myself. Husbands, don't wait for your wives to be perfect for you to lay down your life for your wives. Wives, don't wait for your husband to be perfect, to fall in line with the headship that God has entrusted to him. Our marriages will never be fixed. They'll never be right. They'll never be moving in the right direction if we wait for the other person to take the first step. You take the low place first and watch what God does in your marriage. To put this divine mystery, this wondrous gospel on display, 
this union of Christ and church, Paul gives wives and husbands their attending assignments. First, he says to wives, you must submit to your own husband. What does it mean to submit or to be subject to? It means to bring under control, to be subordinate, or my favorite word, to yield to the authority of another. Since we've come back to Roanoke, Virginia, I have begun to wonder if people in Roanoke have forgotten what the yield sign means. Do they not teach that anymore? Do you have to pass that at the DMV to get your driver's license? It's not important anymore, okay? I, I didn't realize that. Because going down 581, where they've got that awkward entrance exit ramp for Hershberger Road, you know the one I'm talking about, where you gotta, you got to really finagle it and finesse it in there? People don't know how to drive. It says yield. you got to yield the right-of-way. And why do you yield the right-of-way? It, it's so... Traffic all keeps moving in the right, proper direction without an accident. If, if somebody doesn't yield, there's going to be a wreck. There's going to be a disaster on 581, and then nobody's going to be able to get to work on time. The same is true in our marriages. The purpose of our yielding wives, of your yielding, is not because you're lesser than your husband. It's nothing like that. It's simply that your marriage will keep running in the right direction. That's what God intends for your marriage. The, the purpose isn't to devalue you, wives. Different roles in the home and in church do not mean different value before man or before God. we got to get this right. Because if different roles mean that we have different value before God, that means our very salvation is at stake. Because Jesus takes the role of submitting to the Father in order to give himself for us. And if by submitting to the Father, Jesus is less than God, then we've not been saved by God, but by someone less than God, and we therefore can't be saved. So if submission makes wives less than their husbands in terms of their value, then we've rendered the whole of Christianity at risk. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can't say, well, because God assigns to wives the role of submission, that somehow they're less important or less valuable than their husbands to God. No, it's just the role that he's assigned, the role that he's given. So this yielding or submission that God gives to wives does two things. First, it places accountability where it belongs. Wives, did you know God's going to hold your husbands accountable? If you yield when you get on to 581... And you still have a wreck, guess who's at fault? The other guy. When Eve sins in the garden, do you remember who it is that God comes looking for in the cool of the evening? Does he say, Eve, where are you? What's your problem? No, no, no. He comes calling for Adam. Husbands, you yield to your, excuse me, wives, you yield to your husbands because God will hold them accountable for their headship and their leadership of your home. <clears throat> but secondly, it, it, it simply keeps traffic moving in the right direction. It keeps you unified. William Hendrickson said this, A home without a head is an invitation to chaos. When wives are obedient to their husbands, she is being obedient to the Lord. When wives submit, they're on the same road, going the same destination, at the same pace for the same 
reasons. When wives submit, they come to know the heart of their husband so well that her choices that her choices become his choices. Her parenting is like his parenting. Her joy is his joy. His will is her will. Not grudgingly, but joyfully as it is with Christ. Verse 22. Look at the end of verse 22. Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Is our submission to the Lord intended to be drudgery? No, it's intended to be joyous. Our submission to the Lord brings us into the same direction as which our Savior is going. I want to encourage you wives this morning. Sometimes your husbands need a little help. Sometimes they need a little word of encouragement to step out and take the leadership role. Sometimes they need a little help to wash you in the word as we'll talk about here in a moment. Here's how you can help your husband this morning, wives, on this Valentine's Day. You can go home today and you can say to your husband something like this. I want you to speak God's truth into my life and into our family's life. And I know it won't always be comfortable, but I will admire you and and love you and submit to you as you endeavor to the best of your ability to lead us forward for the sake of Christ and the gospel. You say that to your husband and you watch what starts to happen in your home. Ladies who are married this morning, can I ask you some tough questions? When are you most tempted to challenge your husband's headship? Is it over trivial things? In conversations in front of your kids? They're watching. They're learning. Is it over bigger things? Money, sex, work. What Paul is telling us this morning is there's a freedom and a joy that God intends for your marriage, wives, that will never come except by submission. And look, well, where is this submission supposed to take place? Look at the end of verse 24. Submission in everything. Now, a word of caution this morning. Well, what does that mean, Daniel? Submission in everything. Are you telling me that if my, if my husband... Is treating me improperly, if he's physically abusing me, if he's uh, emotionally terrifying our children that I just sit there and take it, that's not at all what I'm saying. The context here is that of a Christian marriage. And the submission means everything that God intends to be part of a healthy marriage. If you're in a marriage where there's physical abuse and violence, then we want to be here at North Roanoke a conduit where you can find some help, and we want to help you find some help. So please don't misread the text. The context here is everything that God intends to be part of a healthy marriage. Wives, it is in giving yourself over to Christ that you find freedom, protection, salvation. The same is true in marriage. God has a freedom for wives that only comes through submission. No longer a need to control every detail, but a holy rest that comes when a bride truly unites her plans and dreams and desires and yes, even her body with the loving leadership God has entrusted to her husband. There's a show that was popular some years ago. It may still be. I'm not sure. It's called Dancing with the Stars. Any of you familiar with that show? Not particularly fond of it, but the concept of the show is there is a superstar who isn't necessarily a good dancer paired with a professional dancer. Nod your head if you're familiar with this show. A few of you. What What always amazed me about the show 
was the ladies who were stars paired with male uh, professional dancers, the ones who advanced the furthest in the contest, what were they capable of doing? One, they had some athletic ability and some ability to, to dance, which was good. But the one thing that they were able to do better than the other women who were equally gifted was what? They were able to follow the lead. What God is showing us in verses 22, 23, and 24, husbands, is that you're never more beautiful. Your dance of marriage is never more uh, appropriately putting the gospel on display than when you are following your husband's lead every step of the way. And when you follow that step, it is a thing of beauty. So here's a question, wives. At the end of Dancing with the Stars, after they finished their dance, there were three judges and they made their comments and they held up their score. When it comes to the dance of marriage, how would you score submission to your husband? Well, husbands, it's your turn. I had uh, about 650 words for wives and about 1,000 for husbands. But we'll, uh, we'll hasten to finish. But Paul devotes a whole lot more text to husbands than he does to wives, if you notice. He gives them a, an interesting time. He says, husbands must love their own wife. And he clarifies, we must love our own wives like Jesus loved his church when are we supposed to love our wives every time that we see the verb love your wife in this text it is in the present tense which means it is an ongoing love that never stops it's not conditioned by the submission of your wife you don't sit around and wait to love your wife until she submits. You just keep on loving your wife. How do we love our wives? With a self-sacrificing love. Husbands, we are called to sacrifice for our wives in all things. Just as Jesus' sacrifice for us is the basis of our joy, sacrifice for our wives should be the basis of her joy. Let me, let me say that again. When, when Christ substitutes himself for his church, we find life and joy and purpose. Husbands, when you substitute yourself for your wife, she should be finding life and joy and purpose. Jesus' love for the church is not some abstract concept that's out there. It's concrete. It is demonstrated at the cross where he, verse 25, gave himself up for us. We are the bride whom God has purchased with his own blood, Acts 20, 28 tells us. Christ loved the church by putting himself in her place. Christ doesn't use his headship as an opportunity to avoid responsibility. He uses it as an opportunity to rescue us from our failure to meet our responsibility. So let me be clear, husbands, if you think the submission verses in 22, 23, and 24 mean you get to sit in your man cave all day, every weekend, while your wife makes your lunch, picks up your trash, caters to your every whim, you will never love your wife like Christ intends, and you'll never be the sort of head that Christ is calling you to be. I taught a Bible study at my church in Raleigh 
And one Sunday, I thought I was going to be unable to attend. And so I got a substitute teacher. And then it turned out that the reason that I wasn't going to be there was reversed. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to enjoy a Sunday where I don't have to teach and just be a student in the class. And this gentleman, if I, I use that word loosely, proceeded to teach on the marriage relationship, and they had four or five kids, I can't remember, and he proceeded to explain that he couldn't change his children's diapers because he couldn't bear the smell. I about lost my mind. That is not the picture of loving your wife. Paul says, husbands, you get in the mire and the muck of your marriage and you do the hard things and you find the hardest things there are, the things that seem impossible, and you get in there and do it. That's the picture of what Christ did for his church. Christ did for the church what she couldn't do for herself. And if you can't change a diaper for your wife, if you can't go warm a bottle for your wife, then you are not living in the text of Ephesians 5, 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. When our wives face darkness and depression and despair and loneliness and disappointment and rejection and a host of other evils that the world may hurl at them, we feel our wives' pain just like it was our own. And to whatever extent we can, we take the burden from our wives and we bear it on her behalf. Jesus didn't wait for you to be perfect before he loved you. He loved you first while you were still a sinner and gave himself for you. 1 John, excuse me, in John 15, verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that that he lay down his life for his friends. If I could paraphrase Ephesians 5, 25 and following, Jesus is saying to you husbands this morning, Greater love has no husband than this, than that he lay down his life for his bride. There's your goal, husbands. To love your wife so well that your wife could say with complete honesty, my husband loves me so thoroughly and is so good to me that I jump at the opportunity to obey him. Why do we love our wives? We love our wives so that we can set them apart for Christ. Verse 26 and 27 present for us the work of Christ in the, in the life of the church, that he's sanctifying us and setting, setting us apart what? For the one day, eventual day of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Here's the deal, very briefly. As we pour our lives into our wives and substitute ourselves for them, they become more and more and more in love with us and desiring to belong to us. Here's the thought that it's expressed. Not only should husbands love their wives with a self-sacrificing love, but as they do this, they should help their wives make progress in sanctification. I call in marriage counseling, I call marriage the gymnasium of sanctification. Why do you go to the gym? Well, some of you might go just to be able to say you went to the gym. I don't go, but need to go. But most people, when they go to the gym, why do they go to the gym? They go to the gym because they want to get better uh, they want to become more physically fit. And in marriage, I call it the gymnasium of sanctification because 
When you get married, God uses marriage to show you all sorts of stuff about yourself that need improving that you didn't know were there. Marriage is like your own personal trainer. Wow, I didn't realize I had that selfishness in that area of my life. I didn't know that pride was there. I didn't realize my laziness. And when you get married, God exposes for us husbands all sorts of ways where we can grow in our love for our wives. And wives, he exposes for us all sorts of ways where we can grow in laying down our lives for our husbands, in submitting and yielding to their headship. Why else do we love our wives, husbands? We do it because God has made us one with our wives, just like he's made us one with well, not just like, but in a way that's analogous to our marriage with Christ. He says in verse 30, we are members of his body. Who? The church is members of his body. So when Christ loves the church, it's as if he's loving himself. Do you remember when Paul was, when Saul was persecuting Jesus and Jesus confronts Paul on the road to Damascus? What does he say? He doesn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting those people that I call my church? He doesn't even say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Husbands, God has made your wives one with you so much so. Look at verse 28. That loving our wives is like loving our own bodies. And verse 29 tells us the converse is true. Not loving our wives is like hating ourselves. Why in the world, husbands, would you hate yourselves? Why so often do we put good things ahead of the God things? What if, husbands, we put our wives before our work, our hobbies, and even our ministries at the church? What if we put ministry in our own house before ministry at the church house? You see, there's a cycle of love and submission in marriage that's analogous to the cycle of love and submission in salvation. How is it that we come to know Christ? Christ substitutes himself for us. He loves us in a substitutionary way. He presents and offers that love. And then what do we do in response? To become his bride, we submit and we yield to his love. And I don't know about you, but in your walk with Christ, there often comes a time where you fail to submit to the love of Christ. And what happens? You stop growing in sanctification. It is constant submission to the love of Christ that allows us to continue to grow in our walk with Christ and His love to make us more and more and more like He wants us to be. But when we fail to submit to the headship of Christ, the thing stalls. The same is true in marriage. When the husband offers his love to his wife and a wife submits to that love, there's more love in that husband than the wife ever imagined and she gets more and more and more of her husband. But when the wife begins to not submit to her husband, then guess what happens? Things lock up. And slowly but surely, submission becomes subversion and loving becomes loathing. And if you want to know the way back to health in your marriage this morning, if that's where you are, it's as simple as wives yield to your husbands. And husbands, keep on loving your wives. The last reason we should love our wives that I believe we see in this text is because in Christ 
the life that God intended the garden, that he intended in the garden, has been restored to Christian marriage. In verse 31, Paul takes us all the way back to the garden. He quotes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And here's what Paul is telling us. In Christ, the effects of the curse on marriage can be met and overcome. In Christ, husbands can truly find delight in giving themselves to their wives. And wives can truly find delight in giving themselves to their husbands. It's through that sort of marriage, a holy, purpose-filled, lasting, thriving marriage, that God shows the world the reality and the power and the purpose of the gospel. In this way, God will work to extend His reign to the ends of the earth. He will work to fulfill the world with worshipers, just like He intended all the way back in the garden. What did God do in the garden? He gave Adam a helper and he said, take dominion of the land, spread the land as far as the ends of the earth, and fill this land with little worshipers as far as the eye can see. God has purposed through your marriage to put the mystery of the gospel, the wonder of the gospel, the beauty of our union with Christ on display. So this morning, how is it that we should respond to this charge for our marriages. I, I, I suppose that when we hear a message on marriage, that the Spirit of God begins to work in husbands' hearts and wives' hearts and even singles' hearts about ways in which we could do better in reflecting in our lives the purpose of the gospel through our marriages or in support of the marriages that are around us. So will you resolve today that you will obey in whatever areas those are that the Spirit has shown you this morning? Because ultimately, submitting to our husbands and husbands loving our wives, even when they don't submit, it's an issue of trusting Christ. Do we really believe that Christ will get the victory in our marriages? And if we do... In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to come to the table and to remember the marriage proposal that Christ has made for us. And as we do, I want to ask that you would first go to the Lord. I'm going to ask Martha to come and play in just a moment. That you would go to the Lord and begin to pray before you come to the table. That you would pray about those very areas in which God has shown you. I, I need to submit. I need to love. I need to be willing to substitute myself for my wife in these areas. If you're single, widowed, divorced this morning, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to pray for the marriages in this room. That they would be a picture of the gospel in your life and that you would be edified by the marriages in this church. I also want to encourage you to do one more thing. I want to encourage you to find ways to support those who are married so that their marriage may be a picture of the gospel to the watching world. Some of you, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, that singleness is a gift, and it's a gift for mission and ministry. Some of you, because you are single, have an opportunity to help the marriages all around you to flourish so that as they flourish, the world will know that the gospel is real. So I want to challenge you this morning, whether you're single or married or married again, to ask by God's grace 
that he would take his gospel and work it deep into your marriage, into your life. Martha's going to play. I'm going to pray in a moment. And then Daryl will lead us in the Lord's table. God, all around this sanctuary, your spirit is at work. God, right now you're showing wives areas where they need to just trust you and, and follow the loving leadership of their husbands. And God, you're showing husbands areas where they've been negligent to truly Take the low place in loving their wives. God, you've given us marriage to put the wonder of the gospel on display. And we, we come to you corporately this morning and say, we need your help. We come to you corporately this morning and say, we believe, Jesus, that you will help us if we all submit to you. And surrender to your plan and to your way and to embrace what you've said about marriage. Even though, God, at times it seems difficult. Spirit of God, I pray you'd move in this room. That you would lead us even now to confess those areas in which we've failed you in our marriages. And those areas in which we've failed to support the marriages around us. God, give us a holy regard for marriage and for family. God, make North Roanoke Baptist Church a place where people say, marriage matters in that place. And they're putting the gospel on display. Spirit of God, move as only you can. Heal as only you can. For the glory of Christ we ask it. Amen.